0: Hi everybody and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this is a podcast where I like to talk about all things kindergarten and I just start discussing topics and things that um, relate back to kindergarten. Sometimes it's things that are sent into me and people have asked me about. Other times just things that I've been just randomly thinking about. I sometimes spend a lot of my time driving. I go from Different parts of the area that I live in, and sometimes it's like a 45 minute drive, and I'm just thinking about things that I have seen in a classroom or have read about. And I just start thinking about things, and then I want to talk about it. So, this podcast is a great way for me to connect with all other kindergarten educators and really talk through some of the things I'm thinking about for kindergarten and really working through some of those ideas sometimes I think I know what I'm doing and think I know what my best practice is going to be and then all of a sudden I'm really thinking about it and I'm changing my mind and I'm working through something so I like coming to this podcast and sometimes it's just me working out some of the stuff I have going on in my brain sometimes it's sharing my opinion sometimes it's starting a conversation whatever it may be this is the place that I like to do it um I just came back from my horseback riding lesson. I do those um, every Sunday. I go for an hour horseback riding lesson and I just got back from one today and I'm so proud of myself because I've started going over little tiny jumps with my horse and I'm just really proud of myself because it was something that I was really scared of doing, especially I just started my lessons back in September and I was terrified every time I saw jumps that were set up in the little arena where I practice. I was petrified that I was gonna to have to jump over any of them. So in the past couple of lessons, I've been starting to go over these little, she calls them capoletti jumps. They're really teeny tiny. The horse barely lifts her legs to go over them. but it's really just me conquering that fear of going over these jumps and yeah I've been pretty proud of myself these past couple weeks so this is a reminder to do something that scares you to try it out because I am having an absolute blast jumping this horse even though it's teeny tiny little jumps and um, yeah if I never had tried it I would never know just how much fun um, it could be to go over those little jumps so yeah this is just your little weekly reminder to try something new Put yourself in a position where you might be a little bit scared to do something because it might pay off in the end and something that I never thought I would be doing is horseback riding lessons in my 30s and uh, having the opportunity to take these every week has been quite um, not completely life-changing but at least a little bit life-changing where it's giving me a lot more confidence and is just really... That self-care element that I was missing of just being out and being with animals and having that time to myself. So yeah this is just me talking a little bit about my uh, daily life and a little bit outside of the podcast but I thought I would share something that's going on with me. You guys hear me talking every week to you guys on this podcast so I thought I would share something that's just a little bit more personal. So with that I might as well start episode number 28 this week and even let you guys know what it's going to be about because I haven't even told you yet. I'm going to be talking about math centers this week. This was a topic that was asked to me over on Instagram and somebody had asked me to talk about math centers, but there was no real specific questions. So I'm just going to talk in broad terms about how I have done math centers in the past and how it's worked for me. Whether or not you can find some tips or tricks or just like little aha moments throughout it, or you're just interested in hearing how other people do math centers. I know that sometimes in kindergarten we get in our own little world and we don't really know what's going on with other classrooms or other teachers and kindergarten teams that are out there. So maybe this is just a little insight into how I do them and yeah, don't take this as in this is how you have to do it. This is just how I found that it works best for me and my students. And if you have any specific questions about math centers, please let me know. I'm just going to be talking in really broad terms about them. But of course, you could have other questions. And let me know, maybe I can do a follow-up podcast answering your questions about math centers in kindergarten. And with that, let's get our episode number 28 started with math centers. (music) The first thing I wanted to mention is that in our um, school, I don't know if this is across our school board or like in the United States, you know, you call them districts, but I don't know if this is school board wide or is this, if this is school specific, but we do turn in long range plans at the beginning of the year. For kindergarten, these don't have to be really specific. At least it hasn't been in the past for us. It's really just an overview of some of some um Topics or skills that we'd like to cover every month. It's not a day by day by any means. It's not week, even week by week. Literally, it's just in August, we are going to cover, or not August, we don't have school in August. In September, we're going to do number sense. In October, we're going to move into sorting. In I'm, I'm completely making these up because I honestly can't remember them right now but in November it's patterning in December we start talking about 2d and 3d shapes and maybe that takes us into January where we might also add in some measurement and then I don't know what else is there after that measurement yeah and so every month we'll just have like a broad range of topics that are oriented uh, or a topic or um, sometimes there's a few different ones that'll be covered in a particular month and those are just uh, little check-in reminders that there are skills that we do need to cover that are in our kindergarten program and these are great times to really hone in and focus on a particular skill. This does not mean that if there is a student that is really interested in a concept or if there's some extension of learning that can happen for a different math topic, let's say we're learning about sorting in October, but they're really interested in dinosaurs and how big dinosaurs are. Well, that is a perfect opportunity to talk about measurement. That doesn't mean that we're not going to do measurement because we don't do measurement um, until January, let's say. No, they, the different math topics can be interweaved throughout the year, any time of the year, throughout the different months. It's just that that particular month, we might have our focus groups, our guided groups really honed in and focused on a particular math topic so we can go more in depth about it and learn all the different rules and things that go, um, go into learning a particular math skill. If we are focusing, um, I'm going to go with patterning because that one's just really easy. If we're focusing on patterning for a particular month, we might have a lot more patterning centers out for that month, but that doesn't mean that we're not still talking about number sense or sorting from the previous months. We're just adding adding patterning into that and really uh, discussing and having lessons centered around uh, patterning rules and the core and Um, how a pattern repeats and all that kind of stuff. I hope that makes sense. I don't want you to think that just because in October it says we're doing sorting that that's all the math that we do that month is sorting. It really is just a more of a focus for us as educators to be able to know that, hey, we're going to hit on really focusing on a certain skill that month. Once we have our long range plans put into place, we start to plan around having a lot of hands-on activities that are uh, geared towards a particular skill. So having more hands-on especially in math I find that having hands-on manipulatives and things that they can use our students are way more engaged and they're able to understand these very abstract concepts. And they're able to understand them a lot better when they have concrete materials to work with. Like patterning can be a very abstract concept until you show them what a pattern, in, pattern is and you actually practice it with real world objects. All of a sudden patterning makes a whole lot more sense. So making sure that we are... Um, bringing in lots of hands-on materials, hands-on learning, not just worksheets for this kind of thing is what I find most effective for our kindergarten students. Um, I usually have some generic activities that we use all year long. I'll link down below. I have these easy print and prep math centers that I made a few years ago. They're up in my store and it goes through each math strain. So there's 10 packs. There is a whole bundle of them all together but there are 10 packs and in each pack there's 10 activities that are easy to print meaning they're in black and white and they're easy to prep. So there's not a lot of cutting or anything like that usually sometimes just a worksheet or a few things that you just have to laminate and cut out and they're very generic so they're not based on any holidays or any time of the year, anything like that. They can be used at any time all year long. I find that this um, service is a great base for our math centers throughout the year because I'll just pull out the easy print and prep centers for that math strain for that particular month and there you have it. I have all my math centers ready to go. I've used them for a few years so they're already laminated, they're already ready. I just have to take them out and we we start using them and they all use um, math manipulatives and they use concrete materials to help students understand the concepts. Once we have those generic activities that are kind of just able to use all year long, as time goes on, I tend to add in more activities That are either based on the students' interest or whatever theme that we're talking about in our classroom or whatever um, wonderment that we're doing. Let's say they are super interested in worms. They loved worms last year. They were so interested in them seeing them in the yard. Well, let's bring some worms and let's talk about worms in math. Let's measure some worms. I didn't use real worms for this because I didn't want to put the worms through the trauma of kids measuring them. So I cut out my own worms for them to measure, but for whatever it is the kids are really interested in leaves well then measure leaves let's say so We can bring in some of the wonderment, some of the inquiries that are happening in the rest of their time into the math centers and then it just engages the students even more in their learning. So I have a lot of generic activities that are just ready to be pulled out and ready to go and then I add in more, I'm going to say themed, but I'm putting themed in quotation marks, themed activities inserted into my math centers as well. And of course, the thing with having all these great math centers and um, having all these activities, it gets so much easier year after year because like I just said, those easy print and prep math centers, those are ready to go. I just have to pull it out and I have it ready. I don't have to go back and reprint them all again and relaminate them. It just gets easier and easier every year. So I know first year kindergarten teachers, they're always asking me like how do you do it? It's so overwhelming. There's just so much I have to do and I feel for them because I uh, opened two kindergarten classrooms two years in a row first so for two years in a row, I felt like I was constantly trying to keep students engaged and finding all those new activities and getting them ready. It gets to be a lot overwhelming. So know that you're first of all not alone. a lot of kindergarten teachers feel that way. I hear it all the time. Second of all, Don't feel like you constantly have to make and do new centers. You can, uh, as students get to know centers, it's a lot easier for yourself as well. If you put out the same centers multiple times, all the students know what to do at that center. You don't have to re-explain it. They're just, you might insert an added uh, challenge to that center. You might do something to add a little bit, uh, to change it around a little bit. But you can keep reusing stuff as well. You don't have to pull out new math centers every day. Just know that you're not alone. Lots of other teachers go through this it does get easier as you go along in kindergarten. Also, if you are in a classroom with other kindergarten educators, this doesn't quite work if you're by yourself in kindergarten at your school, but if you are in kindergarten and there's other kindergarten classrooms, use those people as resources, especially if they've been doing it for a few years. Um, We were coming up with new sensory bins every week and then last year we had the great realization that we're all doing sensory bins. Why can't we just roll our sensory bins around and switch up our sensory bins by changing it up with the classroom next door? Why were we remaking new sensory bins every week when we had a perfectly good sensory bin next door that they had just finished using? So we had a new kindergarten teacher join us last year And we realized that she was getting, not she was getting overwhelmed, but it was getting to be a lot having to come up with new mass centers, come up with this, come up with this, oh a new sensory bin and adding and adding and adding to it. And we're like, well just come and get our stuff. We've been we've been doing it between the two of us for five years at least. Why don't you come and get some of our stuff? And That way you don't feel as overwhelmed or that you have to make so many new materials. Another really big trick that I have for you is that if you are doing math centers and there's some that are working really well for you or some that you uh, like to do with your students, either take a picture or write down what you did. I know we all do day plans or whatever kind of planning that we do in kindergarten, but it's really hard, I find myself, because I'm a visual person, I find it hard to look back into day plans and see what's written down and then make the connection to what we actually did in the classroom. Um, Part of being on Instagram that's really great is that I just scroll back in my timeline to see what I did the year previous, and I can see all the activities that we've done um uh previously for that math strain or whatever we did so I would definitely suggest that either you take pictures if you are a visual person like I am take pictures of each math strain either put them in a file on your phone or on your computer whatever it is so that you can quickly go back and if you keep it organized by math strain you can easily click on something and go see what you've done for that math strain and or if you are more of a a handwriting person or a typing person maybe you just want to make yourself a file on your computer or make yourself a little binder where it has all the activity ideas that you've done so that not you're not reinventing the wheel every year because that's another thing I always think back to oh I can't remember what did we do last year for patterning we had some really great stuff well instead of having to come up with all new patterning math centers I can just look back at what we did last year and I can see oh yeah we did all these great centers let's just reuse these ones again I've touched a little bit on this throughout this podcast about math centers and what kind of materials we're using but I wanted to all again reiterate that uh we call this the I've seen it called so many different things but there's like a four-part teaching model and there's four parts to how we teach skills in kindergarten i don't know if you can hear my cat just came in behind me but she's making a lot of noise uh so the four-part teaching model and i try to balance this out a lot when we are doing math centers in our classroom so the first one being open materials free play where you can extend the learning that's happening in the play that you see with the students So again, let's go back to, uh, I don't even know, Uh, let's say students are building a great tower at the block center. Well, I know in the back of my mind, we're working on measurement in our kindergarten classroom. Well, how can I bring measurement into that play? What can I as the educator do to bring math learning to that? So, Either it's we're going to put uh, some kind of non-standard measurement tool in with the building blocks. Maybe we're going to talk about which uh, tower is bigger, which to- tower is shorter, give them that, vo- that rich vocabulary of shorter or longer, taller, whatever it may be. We're going to extend the learning with vocabulary. As the educator, you can input so much math into the open materials to the free play centers. So that's one part of the four part teaching model. The other part is those provocations you might set up. So you might pick a certain set of materials and put them together and see what the students do with it. So if we're putting together the snap cubes and I don't even know, we're putting together some other building materials so that they can start weighing, or we'll put a scale and some snap cubes and other materials so they start weighing them. I'm not putting anything, and, um, to intentionally push them in one direction or into the other, what to do with these materials. I'm setting up a provocation. I'm seeing what they're going to do with these materials. And then again, I can insert myself into that situation as an educator and extend their learning. Um, A lot of the time when we talk about math centers, we're talking more about the intentional centers that we set up. So those easy print and prep math centers that I was just telling you about, those would be intentional centers. I am putting those out because I know that my students are working on measurement. So I'm putting out a measurement center. Again, these are intentional. These are things that I want my student to really focus in on and hone in on these particular skills. I've thought about why I'm using these and why they're important. As an educator, again, I will be there to support the learning that is happening with these intentional centers and again thinking about the four-part teaching model that is just one part of the four-part teaching model and then the last part of it being your guided groups so now you have your students that are working on patterning but you have students that are unable to make an ABB pattern repeat you've noticed that a few times through your documentation throughout the room you have students who cannot figure out how to ABB pattern well now you're going to make a small guided group you're going to pull those students and Focus in on ABB patterning. I just picked that out of anywhere, but it could really be anything. So again, those are the four part teaching models. Those are the four areas that you want to touch on when you're teaching in your classroom. So the intentional centers, the ones that you're prepping, like the easy print and prep packs, those are your intentional centers. Those are just one part of the four-part teaching model. Making sure we have a balance of all four of those really makes an engaging classroom one that's responsive to the needs of our students and ones that really are uh, developmentally appropriate for our students. We don't want them sitting and doing just math centers for a huge chunk of time when that might not be appropriate for your group of students so I hope that four-part teaching model makes sense I really condensed down a lot of learning that I've done about the four-part teaching model into a really um short amount of time there Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on with our math centers is that we want to make sure that if you have that big overall concept that we're learning about patterning measurement sorting whatever it is we want to set our learning goals for our students. We want to make sure that they know what they're learning and why they're learning it and how they can be successful. I don't think um, just putting out like oh we're going to learn about patterning and then just go into patterning is going to be as um, beneficial I guess is the right word. Beneficial for our students as in when we or if we were to sit down and Talk to them, okay. Our learning goal is going to be learning about patterning, and then talking through with your students what are our success criteria? What can we do to be successful to show that we're learning about patterning? So it might be that we can name the rule, it might be that we can make a pattern repeat, it might be that we are able to identify the core. So, sitting down and talking to the students, writing down these. Um, learning goals and success criteria with our students it's so much more beneficial to them instead of me just knowing as a teacher like oh I know that uh Johnny over here is not successful in patterning because he can't make a pattern repeat whereas Johnny didn't even know he was supposed to make it repeat like he didn't know that was one of his success criteria he didn't know that so having those conversations with our students is really important as well I find that they get to know what they're doing and a lot of uh, I've heard this one uh, it's not a complaint but with this one observation that a lot of teachers make is that don't put up uh, learning goals and success criteria because who's that benefiting my kids can't read it. So I would say that if you put the learning goals and success criteria along with let's say visuals of what they might those success criteria might be then yes the students can still use them because now you've made them accessible to those students who cannot read so having those those up can be beneficial and if you make it with the students then they can they know what's on it at that point if you're referencing them if you're talking about them if you're doing it with them then your kids will get to know them even if they can't read another part of having the learning goals and success criteria is also it is beneficial to adults. If another adult comes into the room, so a prep coverage teacher or a uh, coach or a facilitator or Uh, supply staff comes in and is entering your classroom do they know what our students are supposed to be doing in the room so those learning goals and success criteria yes it is beneficial for the students but it is also beneficial for the adults in the room so they do play a double role there and I do think that they're important those are all the tips or tricks or ideas whatever this was of uh, all the things I could think of for math centers I was really trying to think back as to what did I think math centers were when I was first starting off in kindergarten and how has my background and knowledge changed how I think about math centers and how I do math centers and I really wanted to try and touch on all the different things. I think the four-part teaching model is something that I think about all the time and I'm constantly thinking about how we can make it even better, how I can be more intentional about splitting the time equally between the four parts and how to better serve the students that are in my classroom. That's something that as an educator myself, that is probably one of the things that I work on the most because it's a constant work in progress, right? We're never going to be that perfect teacher. We're never going to be able to say like, oh, I've mastered kindergarten. I don't think that's ever anybody anything anybody can say. We're always learning. We're always um, finding new ways and better ways to teach these young learners. So the four-part teaching model is probably my work in progress as an educator and I'm always reading about it and thinking about it in different ways. I really want to thank you for joining me here today for these this math center podcast. If you have any really specific questions about math centers, please let me know. Maybe I can do a, a follow-up math centers uh, podcast sometime in the future and I'll just be answering questions that you guys have about math centers and that way I can really touch upon things that maybe I didn't even think of when I was making this. I always love hearing um, what you guys have to say and uh, answering all those questions. So if you do have a question or you want to talk to me or contact me in any way, I love having conversations with you. I love it when people reach out and uh, talk to me about what they've heard me say on the podcast or um, giving me new ideas for podcasts. I love hearing all of that. I'm usually found on Instagram. I'm at Creative Kindergarten Blog on TPT over on Instagram it's a mouthful I will put that in the show notes for you if you can't um, find me usually if you start typing in creative kindergarten on Instagram it'll just pop up I'm also on my blog and if there's like a little contact me button and you can send me an email I always answer those I'm actually probably quicker at answering my emails than answering messages on on my Instagram just because I don't get as many emails so I feel like I answer those a lot quicker but yeah my creativekindergartenblog.com there's a little contact me that goes directly to my email and uh, yeah I'd love to hear from you from there And yeah, I'm also on Facebook, but I'm probably there the least out of the other two. So yeah, make sure you contact me, reach out, let me know what you thought of this episode. Any more questions, I'd love to hear from you. And if you have any other uh, questions about how centers run in my classroom... I will put also a link down below to a blog post i made a blog post a few months ago called my ultimate guide to kindergarten centers and it really goes through and answers all the questions that i've been asked over the years about my centers my classrooms all that kind of stuff so i'll put a link in the show notes for you there is a ton of information on there so if there's anything else you can take a look at that yeah and i'll put that easy print and prep uh, centers link down below as well if you want to check that out I think that's it. I talked a lot today about math centers and I'm really happy that you are here to join me. If you have not yet subscribed to my podcast, make sure you subscribe. I put out new podcasts every Tuesday. My name is Amanda and I am so thankful that you have decided to take your time today, take time out of your day to come join me and listen to my voice, talk about whatever it is I feel like on this particular day and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much and I hope you have a great day week.